Hello. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Unsensational. This is a good episode. I liked it. My name is Joe. I like tension. I like making shit weird. This is Catherine, and I'm learning how to be empathetic, but also deciding which people don't deserve that empathy. And together, we're unsensational. Uh, Today's episode, very exciting, is brought to us by what letter, Catherine? Why, it's brought to us by the letter S, Joe, for simulation, because... (laughs) We're going to talk about a bunch of random controversial topics, what's going on in this current timeline. Who knows? But stick around for a listen while we try to figure it out together. Yay! Thank you again for the permission for for recording. All right, consent. I like it. There are there are so many small things or or changes after COVID that I'm all for. So yeah, Joe, you were just sharing of not wanting to shake hands with anyone, but instead doing a slight inclination of the head, a bow, and hand on chest in in greeting. Super respectful. Really love it. I I would like all doors to have those little like feet grip things at the bottom, those alternatives. And I'm yes. like, hell yeah, I'm super excited for those. <laughs> I'm excited for the hand sanitizer everywhere. I feel that me personally, it will probably take me, I guess, a little years or maybe this is a lifetime change. Who knows? We'll see. If I'm traveling publicly somewhere, I'm probably going to wear a mask. If, I, if I'm going to sit on a train, if I'm going to sit on an airplane, I may actually just wear a mask the entire time. Like when it's hordes of people in an area now, especially something travel-based. Like I'm not, I guess I'm not talking the same for, I still need to think about it for like musicals or, or movie theaters, those as well, which that, that may be okay too. Maybe I'll consider doing that. But yeah, otherwise, I am all for those those smaller adjustments because to my knowledge, I have not had COVID-19, but I feel like I've been pretty, pretty good health-wise all around for like mm-hmm. the past year. I think one, I think I will probably stick with the masks. Here's the thing. I have had nobody tell me to smile. And yes, I've seen fewer people, but oh still even like God. going to the grocery store, no one's told me to smile no one and i love that i love that for me for calling that out that's a microaggression i have a bit of trauma related to that i remember one time we were even in college and our college used to have various comedians come over and do you know those like those like free shows on campus things to do yeah and some comedians were there and i remember going one time and I think I was sitting kind of close to the front ish. And I just had like a poker face on most of the time. I, I, I did. And he actually like called me out for it too, for not laughing or not reacting. And I'm like, 
dude, I, I'm so sorry, but like this, this, what, what uncomfortable situation do you want me to be in? Either I'm going to be true to my own expression and sorry, not laugh. Or you want me to give you like it just an uncomfortable chuckle because not a lot of other people are laughing as well. Yes, but things like that. I can remember the very first time I was even told in high school by my guidance counselor there. Holy shit. Smile, smile more. And I was just like, Dude. I was like, seriously? I was like, F off. That is just, that's exactly what went through my brain every single time that it happens. All, all of those, all of those smaller things of like, the other thing that I've heard from various men throughout my life as well of like, I like your hair when it's longer. And I'm oh like, God. you're pretty much programmed actually that way to like longer hair. If you want to talk about like traditional feminine styles, that's it. That That's literally like, you may think this is a personality trait you have. I'm sorry to tell you, it's not. <laughs> you think this is fun and quirky, but it's actually just like typical. It, it's something that I find funny. It's And it's something that I've noticed mostly men do, but I've seen a lot of other people do as well. It, it happens a lot online, especially anywhere where people are like in front of a camera, video or photo. Commenters will comment on the person's appearance of how they can be more attractive to the commenter. I would like you so much better if you lost that tummy. You would look so much better if you grew, grew your hair out. You'd look so hot if you put makeup on. And these commenters mm -hmm. are saying this to the stranger that they see on the internet. And I think it's odd, and because it is mostly men, that men somehow believe that if I look at a woman, it is her responsibility to be attractive to me. And or... Every woman wants to appear attractive to me. Mm. And I have a right to tell them how they are or aren't doing that. And I find that fascinating, terrifying, but just like the idea of that fascinating, that, that someone existing as they are, I should tell them how they should be attractive to me. Because this isn't in general, like, quote unquote, I'm worried about your health. It's never health oriented. It's attraction oriented. Also, not a doctor. If you're not a doctor, you shouldn't be commenting shit on what you think someone's body should or should look in a way if you're trying to say like, ah, no, 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 really. I was just saying that I, I think it would just be more healthy for you if you lose some weight. What type of medical training do you have? What, what? And even with that, so you're a doctor. Are you their doctor? Do you know their medical history? Do you know how they eat, how they exercise? Do you have any idea what's gone into them creating the body that they have for themselves? Because if you don't, unless you are a medical professional who is that person's medical professional, nothing that you say is actually health oriented at all. You don't give a shit about their health, but you do give a shit about them being attractive to you. People don't owe you pretty. Pretty is not the tax you pay for existing in this world. And I wish, I wish, I wish that younger people, especially younger queer people, because they dress weird as fuck and I love it and I'm here for it, that somehow that was like 
taken off of our brains earlier, or even still that like, that I could peel that off of my brain of, I don't want other people to, I'm not dressing or creating my body for other people to find it attractive. I just want to look cool as shit. Yeah. I have still been reflecting on our last podcast conversation, Joe, where it was about stages of female financial freedom, specifically in China, I believe. And one of them was you can purchase whatever lipstick you would want. You and I don't wear lipstick normally. Our responses were both centered around body hair removal. And you totally specified this is your personal preference for what hair you would want. And my response as well was, yeah, same thing. Except I like thought about it again for a little bit, just some own self-reflection too, that I felt like I was caught in the same trap. I'm like, is this really something that I want for myself? Or is this something that has been ingrained in me for years? So I think it's something that I want for myself. Mm -hmm. And that, and that one was, that one was tough because I'm like, what is it that I am personally comfortable with regarding body hair on my face? presenting as more of a feminine woman, which society is a very big no-no for, for mm-hmm. body hair there. Mm-hmm. It's that internalized gaze. Like you internalize the way that other people are going to view you. It's that internalized male gaze of how to be most attractive and sensual and desirable. And then it's also the internalized feminine gaze of like, don't be a slut. How do you balance that? Make it appropriate. And it's exhausting. And it, once you see like something like that happen where suddenly you're like, shit, is that me? Or is that a shitty gift that someone gave to me that I've been carrying around all these years? Mm-hmm. It sucks. Cause you look at it and you're like, are you really mine? Or are you a plant? <laughs> are you a spy here from the opposition? You're to ruin my life. <laughs> And sometimes I don't know how to answer that question for myself. Yeah, that's fair in this day and age of misinformation. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows what you see on social media if that's an actual human, if that's a bot, if that is someone, someone interfering or just trying to, or literally just trying to be an agent of chaos Mm -hmm. and walk into a community and just stir up an amount of craziness and then waltz on out. This is something that I love about social media. And I know that you have to walk this line as well because of the way that you communicate. When there is written communication, especially from a stranger on the internet, it is very hard to tell if someone is being satirical, sarcastic, or if they actually believe some of the wild things that they say. Because let me tell you, if people who don't know me read some of the shit that I post or read some of the stuff I comment, I guarantee that unless someone also has the same sense of humor and thought the same thing as a joke, people are going to be like, what a crazy fucking bitch. Oh my God. This person believes the vaccine has a microchip in it. Well, yeah, obviously, how else are they going to be able to contact trace and ensure that it's not being given? And also, 
Why do you think Google Pay came out the time that it did? Because once you have those two implants, all they have to do is touch that scanner to your chest and it'll automatically take that money out of your account. Why do you think that touch technology came out when it did? Why do you think? Why do you think Iron Man was such an important movie when it was? This was all set up in advance. And that's why there are two instances one in each arm, so that on either side of your heart, they can send those pulses back and forth. I read it on Parlor. I know it's true. <laughs> I was out and about the other day walking around for a uh, Pokemon Go event with my partner and a friend, and I had a power bank for my phone, and I still needed, and I had a very short cord for my phone, so I just like slipped it in my sports bra. And was still just like playing my phone. And I was like, I feel like Iron Man. <laughs> it was fun. But it's just. That's where I'm going to go with that, Joe. If you're going to give me something that's that ridiculous, I'll just respond back with something that I thought was also silly and ridiculous. Yeah. Parlor, for those who may not be aware, is a social media platform that. The main users are those who identify as maybe pro-Trump supporters or are members of the far right. Um, it is a space that was created because the information and conversations that they were putting out were being too gated, perhaps? Hateful? Sure. So they wanted a space of their own where they could talk about this more freely with other like minds. It has since been removed from the app stores by both Google and Apple. This is what I love. And this is where I oh, just chef's kiss stuff is beautiful sometimes. Parlor had an option to become a quote-unquote verified citizen where you could enter your social security number and take a picture of your driver's license. Which means people who are on this app have that captured in the app. And you might be saying, look, there are always security measures to ensure that this information does not get out. And you're absolutely right. Because for a, for a while, I don't say a long time, it wasn't around for very long, but for a while the security firm that they used was by Amazon. When Amazon pulled their support, they also pulled the security, which meant that all these people who were hunting for the information of these Colt 45ers, it was quite easy to find their real name, address, date of birth, social security number, and a photo ID of them. And there's nothing that I love more than these people who wanted to wear as a badge of, I'm a verified citizen. Let me put that on my profile because that's what's important to me. And then for that information to get out, who are you? If you watched Don't Fuck With Cats, you know anything about body moving, you know you never put your name on the internet and you don't have it connected to a photo of you and you definitely don't put any other identifiable information out there. Did you learn nothing from Don't Fuck With Cats people? They didn't watch it. They didn't watch it. I loved that show. That Big reminds fan. me of the news article that I saw of the fine, the fine woman of Bumble who are seducing men 
who in, into sending them their pictures of their mob actions at the Capitol and then forwarding them to the FBI. Beautiful. Love it. Love to see it. This is where I go back and forth, Catherine. This is where I'm having a really hard time. I very much want the mob, the insurrectionists, the, I don't know, crazy fucking people who stormed the Capitol building to try and lynch Pence and actually set up a lynching platform. Do I want them to be held accountable for their actions as white supremacists and Jew haters and queer haters and race haters and just overall horrible, terrible people? Yes. And I'm trying to balance that with not putting too much stake or power in the police. Hmm. Because I worry that by calling these people terrorists, homegrown terrorists, we're putting more validity behind the government keeping an eye on quote unquote radicalized political movements moving forward in any direction of the spectrum. So someone like me, I'm a little bit worried that if I wasn't already going to be on a list, I'm going to be on a list because they already thought that black lives matter was, you know, um, a radicalized racial movement there's a, they use a specific term for them and I don't remember it, but it was something along those lines of like, this is a radical race movement and we need to keep our eyes on them because they were worried about it being a whole other, you know, uh, Black Panthers kind of organization. Mm-hmm. But I, I just worry about that. I worry about like putting too much stake in the government to take care of a problem that should have been handled by people. Like stop stop excusing your racist aunts and uncles stop excusing them let them be lonely let them be lonely don't visit them don't buy them christmas presents take their christmas presents shit take their money that seems to be a reoccurring message by the gop of this is now a time for unity and i this is my personal opinion that I'm just giving here. I, in the first 2016 election, struggled with anyone who did vote for Trump and then kind of having conversations there and was starting to have some some thoughts about, can I separate my own political views from theirs you know, if there is no room for kind of discourse or difference of opinions, what 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 it's what's the boundary that I kind of want to make here for myself? After the 2020 election, I have now decided a personal healthy boundary for myself is if I do find out that someone had voted for Trump twice in 2016 and 2020, I do not want to have a relationship with that person in any in any manner uh, because what it has now turned into is not a difference of political opinion. It's turned into basic human rights and decency, and that is not up for discussion on the table. 
So I will not unify with someone who is wearing a hoodie that says Camp Auschwitz and staff <sighs> on the back. I will not unify with someone who, as you already mentioned, raised the gallows and were chanting hang Mike Pence and went into the Capitol building with the intention of assassinating Congress people. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of you and I love you for that. Thank you. Genuinely, I, there is, there should be, always should be room for a difference of opinion when it comes to action. Catherine, there's a new school that needs to go up in your district. Let's say there's a new school that needs to be built and we need to find a way to get the money for it. And there's a pandemic happening. Do we, is part of it donation-based does part of it need to be uh, raising taxes Do it over you know, the next 10 to 20 years? Does part of that need to come from subsidies? Do we look for private buyers? And would that be dangerous? Do, do we focus a uh, traffic ticket? Or do we reprioritize money that would have gone to uh, fixing up two parks nearby you to reallocate the funds for education inside versus like external play education the difference there is absolutely political for who has access to what and when who's going to have the ability to use Mm -hmm. these not only the children would be using the park and so that was going to be for a larger community there are so many sides and opinions and intersections there Mm -hmm. that would need to be talked about absolutely and people will definitely end with different opinions yeah but to say I want to be able to wear a shirt that says 6MWE is inappropriate. That is very much, people will say it means something else. It is a hugely anti-Semitic, horrible thing to say that means 6 million wasn't enough. And it is referencing the amount of people that were killed in the Holocaust and hoping for the entire eradication of Jewish individuals. So for people who think that that stuff like isn't really here anymore, you don't really see it, the sweatshirt you talked about, the shirt that I was talking about, we're both literally just at the Capitol on the 6th. If you didn't know the anti-Semitism was still around, it is. We saw it on TV a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. It was live. There's no reason to say that it doesn't exist or you didn't know. If you don't believe that Proud Boys are anti-Semitic, maybe you should ask why some of them were wearing 6MWE shirts. Seems weird. Odd. Seems real fucking weird, Colorado Proud Boys. Real fucking weird. I saw you at the Capitol. You all were part of the 700 right-wing weirdos at the Capitol on the 6th. I saw you. I know who you are. You came from the Springs. You came from Fort Collins. I saw you. I have loved that they've been losing their jobs, though. Little by little, jobs coming out and saying, we we want nothing to do with these people. That part's been great. Because, again, freedom of speech, some action that you're going to take if you're going to group it under a protest However, in this case, a riot or an insurrection is actually far more of an appropriate term. Mm -hmm. Again, is not freedom of consequence. Mm -mm. 
despite the fact that the president has given you a misleading example for the past four years, uh, we are now actually seeing some of those consequences come into play. New York ending various contracts with the Trump. <laughs> we love to see it. Yep. That has been, yes, that has been delightful to see as well. And this also, again, ties into a lot of the misinformation. Joe, I know that you went a high satire there with talking about the virus and the microchips that are in it too. That, <laughs> again, just to spread some, I don't know, actual information uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. around. We have roughly, what do you want to say, 12, 12% of the population, we believe the U.S. population has been affected with COVID. That's sitting so, at yeah. about... 350,000 deaths for those who may want to say we want herd immunity um, that would have to get to roughly like 70 to 85 percent which would mean you're also willing to let 1 million in total people die for for this anything Mm -hmm. that's coming of the vaccine which this I was curious about too but and I am getting my information from an interview with Dr. Fauci here what I'm saying is long-term effects of the vaccine. Typically those are seen in trials anywhere from, what was it? 30 to 45 days, I believe afterwards. I believe so, Nothing yeah. really pops up big after that. It's not like, oh, this mysterious thing happened two years down the road. The COVID vaccines have undergone, I believe like a 60 day window to look at any long-term effects that have that have happened so no corners haven't been cut in that way still looking at long-term effects and part of the reasons it's happened so quickly because if you haven't noticed it's impacting the entire world and also funding isn't an issue because you know it's also impacting the entire world so yeah everyone is throwing a ton of money and time into it And this is like a really big scientific milestone, the fact that such a vaccine was created in under a year. Well, right. That and then also for for it to be an mRNA vaccine is absolutely huge. And I think I I can understand why people would be worried or concerned with how quickly it moved through because And honestly, Fauci knows this as well, because he was still in his position or a similar position when the AIDS epidemic was ripping through Mm -hmm. queer communities. What did we end up with for HIV and AIDS? We ended up with AZT, which I know how we got there. I understand why it was chosen for when it was chosen, but you may as well just be someone who doesn't know how to clean a house. And so you use every single cleaning product haphazardly. And now it's the standard and it's been the standard, but it was quickly moving through trials. Everything was sped up and moving aggressively. And so I understand, especially for people who studied AZT, HIV, or AIDS, or were around during the epidemic and wanted to stay up to date on it they look at what's happening now and i can understand them saying like well last time things moved this quickly yeah azt helped but what happened was it lowered all of the cells so much that the cells that were infectious couldn't survive and in many cases neither could the healthy cells like i get it but it's also it's it's different 
and I, but I understand your concern and I don't want to minimize people that think that it's scary because it is, it is, but also herd immunity. People think about this the wrong way. Herd immunity is supposed to mean that anyone who is able to get a vaccine or able to expose themselves should so that the people who can't are protected. It doesn't mean we're willing to slaughter the old, the young, the disabled, the immunocompromised in order for those of us who were strong and healthy to live on. You have, that's eugenics. We're talking about the opposite of that, my friend. We're talking about if your body can handle the illness or if your body can handle taking on the immunity, you have a responsibility by being part of a community to do so. That's herd immunity. And even then we're still probably like a year out from that. These people are nutso. I don't get it. I have a question that I almost don't want to don't want to ask in part because I'm not familiar with how the vaccine for HIV AIDS was created. Okay. And so I don't know about the history of it, but even what you were saying with some that may have had previous experience with this did see it kind of rushed into existence and then did have this negative impact. I'm, I'm afraid to ask as a like cis lesbian white woman of was, was that in any way allowed it to happen because of the population that it was being created for? I want to say yes. I want to say yes. And I also think that there was a lot of money to be made Mm. in peddling AZT. It was booming because the populations who were ill were people who were um, using needles or sharing needles, regardless of what it was for, whether you were, you know, low income sharing needles for your diabetes meds or sharing needles for tea for your shots, sharing needles for drugs, whatever, or having unprotected sex. Didn't have to be unprotected sex between two men. Didn't have to be unprotected sex between a bi man and a straight woman, just unprotected sex. I wouldn't doubt that they were okay going with their, I was going to say MVP, but that means minimal viable product that doesn't mean like top of the top that means like what is the minimum viable product we can possibly put out to help treat this and i think mm-hmm. that that was azt mm-hmm. it's like saying that for any illness you just need a little r and r well of course if you're sick yes you need some rest and to take it easy and not be stressed and take lots of naps and you know drink some water and have some soup of course you're going to feel better if you're stressed that makes you feel better a couple days ago i did that with my friend we had movie and soup night that particular point reminds me of something on social media i saw where an american moved to the netherlands to take up a job was reading the handbook from hr was looking at the pto pay time off and 
under sick days, it, it listed that, you know, you must have a doctor's note if it exceeds like two or three days, which I think is the same for even companies that I've worked for. I'm like, yeah, okay, that checks out. And he's like, yeah, it checks out fine too. And then he's like, what's the, what's the annual amount of sick days that you get? And his coworker was like, sorry, what? Like how many sick days do you get? And she's like, I, I don't understand. You just get as many as you need. And he's like, oh. If you're sick, don't come into work. That's it. Also different about that is in the Netherlands, it's not as tough to see a doctor. It is not a hurdle to jump over to see a doctor to give you a sick note. But the amount of money that it would cost someone in the U.S., the amount of time that it takes just to be able to get in to see your doctor, and then the amount of money that you might still need to pay if you have crummy insurance just to get a note that says I'm sick, especially if you're working an hourly wage job, you are spending money that you're not getting paid so that you don't lose your job. What the fuck like that's one reason why i think in the u.s i don't like this sick note policy because it seems like really classist and elitist like if you can afford to go see a doctor easily and provide me with this note i'll excuse you but if you live too far away if you're too poor if you're too sick to go to the doctor mm -hmm. it's unexcused what i'm sick i want to be in bed <laughs> I don't want to go to the doctor's office. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> oh, sorry. I feel like shit. I should go out in the world. Isn't that how we got where we are with the plague? Going out and about when you shouldn't be going out and about. I'm excited for that to change. I think that when it comes to post-COVID, one, we now know that people can work from home. Jobs can be done remotely. And also, I think that there's going to be much stricter policies around, like, if you are sick, you have to stay home. Yes. And your medication can be mailed to you. And you can, your doctor's office, maybe at this point, has probably gotten a little more technologically advanced, too. So maybe they actually can have, like, a, a telesession with you as opposed to, yeah, you're just feeling really shitty and want to stay in bed and don't want to risk going into an office and spreading your sickness. Much easier for you to turn on your computer, log into a private session, and then to go through that, that diagnosis and those questions virtually as well in certain situations where where appropriate but that part has been really cool too as long as we don't keep adding on the restrictions for what prescriptions you can receive through oh. the mail <laughs> um um abortion restrictions yep if anybody doesn't know you can still get your little blue pill to make your pee pee grow sent to you through the mail but for people who need to terminate a pregnancy they're not able to and everyone has this idea of abortion that it's this uh and i'm i'm going to try and use the words that someone would use they would be um a drug using sex worker who's already had a few abortions who lives on the streets 
who is uneducated and already has a bunch of kids she doesn't take care of, probably a person of color who just doesn't care and loves Satan is out to get another abortion. Like they have this idea, but what they don't realize is like an ectopic pregnancy, which is just a pregnancy that happens outside of the womb, which isn't viable nor can it be reimplanted because that's not a real medical science thing. That's a fallacy that someone made up on Facebook. Like, or it could kill the mom. It could kill the birthing person. So to terminate that is to save the parent's life. And people don't think about that. They don't think about, I mean, even for some people, my, I have endometriosis and my lining doesn't completely come off or it does, but it rips off some of my skin with it. Part of my uterus, not just the lining comes off with it. And so this is something that's used in certain cases, not all the time. Don't come for me doctors, but in some cases it can be used to help ease some of the pain that happens with that. In the same way that birth control is not always about that character that you just described, Joe, pretty, pretty much put it in the same, <laughs> apply it here for birth control too, of like, I just want to be able to have sex all the time. And someone that would be considered a slut with multiple partners. And it's just like, Hey, just not, not going to do God's work here and continue the procreation. Sure. Uh, and sometimes it definitely is about, I am not at a point in my life by myself or with my partner, where we're in a position where it's responsible for us to have children. Or sometimes it's just about the fact, seriously, folks, talk to the woman in your life where having your menstrual cycle just sucks. Like I, I know people who they, they, it, they just vomited for days because it was so bad and the pain is so intense. If we have something to make that a little bit better for someone's existence to be a little bit easier, why don't we just allow that to happen? Again, it's not just kind of this like one size fits all. Mm -hmm. Some types of prescriptions can have multiple benefits or be applied in multiple situations. There we go. That's it. It's the same reason that like, hey, my eyes, they just, they really suck. They don't see all that well. I can no, they, just no, wear glasses don't. or contacts. And, and why would that ever be kept from me? Because it just makes my existence so much easier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and not to mention i don't want people to think that like we're, we're only for the super rare cases no 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 i want sex working people of color who have had abortions before who have kids who are challenged with addiction homeless and who the fuck knows what else i want them to have access to abortion yep absolutely mm -hmm. healthy safe abortions just like I want someone who's just not ready but already has two kids or someone who was sexually assaulted. I, it is a medical procedure and I trust that the person going in for that medical procedure will be educated enough. And that's the other half of it. Mm -hmm. Provide education. Just do it. It's important. And not just to people with a uterus. It's been interesting watching... <laughs> TikTok, because one of the things that <laughs> one of the things that I've seen happening on there is women showing men tampons. 
How does the tampon work? How does a pad work? Take the tampon. Here's the uterus. This is where the cervix is. You don't want to hit the cervix, but you put it in the uterus. You pop it in and then see how it expands. Then you pull it out. And these dudes' faces are like curious and mortified and disgusted all at once. They're like, that does that in you? Like, well, yeah, blood is a liquid and I'm bleeding. And so I put this up there like a cork and then I just whip it out whenever it feels a little full before I get toxic shock syndrome. They make young girls so terrified of that, <laughs> of toxic shock <laughs> thought it was going to play a much bigger role in my life. I was so scared. I did as well. Oh my gosh. Yes. Or the fact that I can't even recall, like, you know, when, when you're first... I'm a, I'm, I'm a human that has a uterus. So yes, I, I, I participate in all the monthly rituals and I can't even remember when it was, when it was first starting, like there were maybe at least two, two friends that we just had to talk about how to use tampons basically with each other. Cause it's like, we didn't have any other point of reference. Parents were kind of, you know, uncomfortable with it. So yeah, we create that little safe space for ourselves. But again, that's like a, you know, pre-teens talking with each other. Mm-hmm. I wish that more people who don't menstruate understood things about menstruation. Like just like the sticky part of the pad does not go on the human the sticky part of the pad goes on the underwear and then you pull the underwear up and yes that does mean that you're sitting in a mini diaper full of your own blood you're absolutely right and you want to know why they're so long you want to know why because technically women are just one long crack front to back and sometimes sometimes what happens is the menstruation of that person just kind of wiggles its way toward the back, okay? It just happens. Just happens. Which is exactly why when some people stand up, they go like, hey, I'm on my period. Can you just check me real quick? We all know what that means. It means I'm going to look all around. You're going to look at your chair when you stand up. And I'm going to look at your back end. And you're going to slightly bend over a little bit to pick something up so I can get a full gaze that has nothing to do with like, you look beautiful and sexy, but it has everything to do with, did I just ruin my favorite pair of jeans? No, it was just sweat. Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I like to think of it in the same way that, you know, like certain businessmen keep like multiple like pressed shirts, like on the back of their office door or like in the, in their car, basically like, trust me, we've all had those times in our lives where we'll bring like backup underwear or like a backup pair of pants or Mm -hmm. who knows what else, trust me. And it's you, if you at any point in your life can have the confidence of a uterus haver wearing a pair of white pants while they're on their period, you can take over the goddamn world. Oh my God. Never. I could never. That like, that's a whole other like type of confidence and knowing yourself like that's, that is something else. It is great to watch the the learning. Like there, there was one person again on TikTok. I want to say he's a teenage or young twenties, young black man who's going through and learning as much as he can about 
uterine things. So sometimes it was like the he was learning about the implants that get shot into your arm, learning about an IUD and the difference between like the vagina and the cervix. And so he watched a video about like, this is the, this is the vagina. Here's the cervix. The hole does not exist, but we make it just a little bit big like this. And then we shove something in it to measure it. And then we take it out and then we shove it back in to flip this thing in there. And then you have this plastic floating tee that just stays in there until you pull the strings to rip it out. And he was traumatized from that, but continued researching, looked into like pads and panty liners and tampons and menstrual cups, like educating himself because it's on the internet. And he wasn't taught these things when he was younger. Anyone who does not menstruate, you're surrounded by people always who are bleeding. Yeah. I can guarantee in any day you're hanging out with at least one person whose genitals are bleeding and ripping themselves apart. So maybe you should know something about that just a little bit. A little bit. Talking about all of this is reminding me of another TikTok user who does a sports news with Taylor. He does a great job with these videos. You haven't seen them. Oh my gosh. I love I all so. of their videos. It's perfect. It's exactly how I talk about sports. I like watching sports again, folks, just for the record, but talking about it in this manner is delightful to me. And so he's talking about he, the, the L, football, the LA chargers, for okay. example, uh, he has deemed the La Swooshes based off of their <laughs> based off of their logo, and the I believe this is what they're called, the Tennessee Titans. They're on it. Yep. He has dubbed the flaming IUDs. I love that, and I just can't. I can't unsee it. I love that. <laughs> I almost want them to become the new team that I follow just for that reason. <laughs> oh my God, absolutely. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I'm so jealous. There are so many different sides to this TikTok thing. And every once in a while, you and I find like the same FYP. Every once in a while, we're on the same for you page where I'm like, okay, yes, you saw mine. I saw yours. Like, it's good. We're in a good rhythm. And then there are some things that you've brought up where I'm like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> what do you mean? This is a staple. And it's funny because I, I love my sister's cats. I'm fine with cats. I'm not a cat hater. I'm just allergic. But somehow I have more cat videos then Catherine, who has a cat and loves cats. And so my For You page is a decent amount cats just because I'm always sending them to her. <laughs> it's not a For Joe page. It's a For Joe and her friends page. <laughs> it's an amalgamation of me and everyone that I send crap to. I'm trying to get more millennials on TikTok because I send them things one off and they're like, oh, that is funny. And I have a friend who is sending me everything on Instagram reels. But because the way that reels works, it's always like a day or two after I've already seen them. And so it makes me want to be like, oh, yeah, you're funny. I love your videos. I totally haven't seen them before. I, I'm at least appreciating that. 
that some of the TikTok is spreading to other social media platforms of, of Facebook, of Instagram, and people are seeing that it is legitimately funny and maybe not just for Gen Zers and maybe this is a place I can hang out. So I'm glad of that, that it's kind of breaking down that stereotype. And again, would like to state for the record, there are plenty of content creators on TikTok too that are generations older than Gen Z and millennials. Mm -hmm. I follow a lot of like, hey, I'm your Korean dad. Yes. Versus like, hey, I'm just a a dad here and I'm going to show you how to do some stuff like how to change your oil. Yeah. Yeah, just even or how to like unclog a sink. This is just what I'm going to show you. And like, that's just super great and awesome. Like, thank you for whatever you love and have a passion about. If you want to create content, there is definitely someone on that platform who's going to consume it and be super thankful. Like, however niche you think it is. No, no, there are other humans that can relate to that experience and happily engage in conversation with you about it. There's a woman who sees Pyrex pieces and tells people about Pyrex. And that was not what she set out to do. And she has many other skills. I mean, she's part of a carnival. Like, she is in a carnival. She is an incredible (laughs) individual who is smart and funny in all these other ways. But one time she commented on something about Pyrex. And now she's the Pyrex person and people will tag her in these videos of people being like, look what I found. What is this? And she will know like the year, you know, what, why does the label look the way that it does? Why is it shaped that way? When did it change? How did it, how safe is it to cook in versus just use it for measurement? An incredible amount of knowledge to have on this very, very specific topic. (laughs) So yes, it is dances and wiggling and people saying that they should buy all of the tickets to specific rallies. It's also, you know, witches and Pyrex and gay people. So that's, that's wholesome. Oh, that's fine. I was waiting to see Biscotti. I thought she was prancing around. I thought I would get to see her. There you are. Oh, in the box. Excellent. Good. Yes. That's why I've muted myself sometimes. I remember the conversations about you getting a cat. No, that was my first big, like, it still is, like, mind-blowing to me and gets me all gushy. The (sighs) fact that, like, that's when I considered myself an adult human that I could have another creature in the household that wasn't me that I was able to like support and love and and care for and that was like I think I'm gonna do it (laughs) that I was like really I was like this is just I can I can just go get a cat myself (laughs) and I don't have to check for anyone else's like permission or blessing because I live on my own and I'm like, this is great. This is delightful. So yes, she is a good, she's a good little nugget. I love her so much. 
I know. I am, again, periodically reminded about the fact that I will never be president of the U.S. because I'm primarily a cat person <laughs> as opposed to a dog person. But we are very slowly making progress with that. Now, with our 46th president, we will have a shelter dog. I know. He's, he's bringing in two German shepherds, but one of them is a... One of them is a shelter dog. I, that does warm my heart a bit. I, okay. We both know where I stand on Biden and Harris. We both know where I stand on a lot of those things. But I am glad to see a shelter pet. And I know that that seems really small. It seems mostly inconsequential and that's fine. But like, it's nice to see just little nuggets of things like that, where it's like, you don't have to have a purebred dog in the office. Like you just, you can have the shelter dog that you went and you saw and you fell in love with. And you decided I, I have, like, I, I ha- you're part of my family now. I saw you. I love you. You're now coming home with me. My home right. isn't complete without you. That, that is, that is the one thing that I wish they, they tell you about about that or even about (laughs) adopting a a animal like I whatever expectations you potentially think that you have about going into the shelter just be open to the fact that there just may be a creature in there that that steals your heart so go in there with with an open mind Biscotti was not on my my short list but they brought me over to her I sat down and I was like yeah okay (laughs) Okay. Okay. I love her. I'll take her. But the, the thing about Biscotti is that maybe two years after I got her, she did have very bad teeth and has had most of her teeth extracted. So it, she legitimately is toothless from how to train your dragon. She's, she's black. She has green eyes. She doesn't have teeth. In some of the videos that you sent me, Joe, it's about like a cat that's yawning. And I'm like, son of a gun. (laughs) I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, oh yeah, they are supposed to have sharp pointy teeth. So I'm going to be real, real confused. Like the, the next cat that I get that I'm like, huh, you, you, you have these chompers. Okay. It is really cute to watch Biscotti yawn though. There is some, it is so pure and adorable because I only got to meet biscotti once and it was through a glass door because we were outside because of covid it because you know plague but i saw and the big old yawn that happened i was like oh, there really are no teeth in there she's just all good it's true it's just a big mouth of pink that you see <laughs> it is so fucking cute i loved it it made me so happy and it's because my sister's cat, uh, Jimmy, small little guy, not even a year old, maybe eight, nine months, like just a wild and crazy running around little guy. He's a little black cat with green eyes and he has definitely like the big sharp ones. But what I forget about cat's teeth is like the other ones are so itty bitty. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. They're like an eighth of a grain of rice. And they're such, she has such good cats that sometimes I'm like, let me see your teeth. And I'll just open their mouths and mm. just look at me at their teeth like this. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm, <laughs> those of you who can't see, I have my fingers in my mouth and I'm pulling my lips apart and I'm just sharing cats with my teeth. Just 
You're welcome. I love it. And it's so cute. And it makes me so happy. The fact that Scotty doesn't have any chompers. How, how old is Scotty roughly? I know that there's only a rough estimation. So when I got her, if I got her in 2016, and I think at that point, they pegged her around like seven, eight. She's, she's a bit of an old lady that we have then i guess we'll just say 12 sure we'll say 12 she's bopping around strong for a 12 year old dang yeah that's she's an active 12 yeah she very very ironically is pretty close in age to my partner's dog actually because he turned 11 so maybe she is the older one out of the Mm. Out of the two of them. Very that, regal and responsible. It's kind of fitting. Yeah. Even if she's not, she definitely acts like it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. I miss her. Maybe, maybe Biscotti can be president. You know what? I will make, we can make vests. Scotty for president. And then a picture of a cat and no one will know. It'll say Scotty for president. Like, ooh, who's Scotty? If you want to know, here's a flyer. And then it's just a flyer about Biscotti the cat. I feel like that would be an incredible 2024 running platform. I like it. Yep. Her main focus will be on healthcare. Obviously. Scotty didn't, Scotty doesn't know can be her, uh, her song. Cats have already been mayors of towns. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. On that note. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> If you'd like to hear more from Biscotti, please subscribe, rate, and review Unsensational wherever you're listening to us. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are Unsensational JK on all platforms. Send us your topic suggestions via email to unsensationalpodcast at gmail.com or via the contact page on our website, unsensationalpodcast.com. Give us money on Patreon, patreon.com slash unsensationaljk. Again, Cami, Dane. Love you. Thank you. Mean Thank it. you. This episode has been unsensational. Until next time, everyone. Stay queer. <laughs>